everybody that no one likes a tune-up podcast. <laughs> the world's premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast. My name is Nick Nocera. And I'm Daryl Wong. Daryl, every week we watch a Fast and Furious um our podcast is so fucking dumb, dude. We, watch, we don't do anything. We watch a fucking Fast and Furious movie, and we talk about it for half an hour. That's the dumbest hobby I think anyone's ever had in the world. <laughs> Did it seem like a good idea when we first started it? Yeah, ex- we were <laughs> amped about it. <laughs> We were amped. I remember the night. It was your birthday. That's right. We went to a cigar club. In Queens. In Queens. It seemed like a like a FDNY hangout spot or something. Did it? I don't know. I went to that cigar club a lot. Yeah. I just remember there were like, yeah, recognizably firefighters, like off-duty firefighters. Oh, fucking firefighters there. Firefighters. I love firefighters. Daryl has no comment on firefighters. Daryl's like, I'm not with them. I'm not against them. Oh, I'm I'm pro fire firefighters. Okay, I just good. I don't know right. if I ever interact. I don't know if I've ever interacted with. Never met one. Never, never met one. I I maybe went to a firehouse as a field trip, probably yep. as a kid. But yep. beyond that, I don't think I, I know a anybody. Pre firefighter. Hmm. This guy Dan Stahl, I went to college with. I think I met him. He was a EMT, part-time EMT in college, and also oh, some fucking Eagle Scout kid. Mm-hmm. I liked. They all was a good dude. I'm not trying to throw shit, but he wanted to be a firefighter and was like a volunteer firefighter too. And then he graduated. I think like two years after graduated, he got the call that they were like accepted him into the training thing. Cool. Now he's a fucking FDNY firefighter. Wow. Yeah. He went all the way. Went all the way. To the top. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if there's ever any undercover firefighters. (laughs) 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 I mean, why would you want to be undercover? Like, undercover is just like off-duty. It's not like you lose any of your firefighter skills. I feel like if you were a firefighter and you were not at work, like you could probably still your still do your job. And I do think they have cases I, where they have to like work undercover at like a chemical sales rep? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like put on glass, mm-hmm. break put up on some on fake glasses, ring. Yeah. Mm, I see. I see. Hey, that could be a that could be a light action movie. Yeah, firefighter <laughs> undercover. <laughs> it could be like one episode of Chicago Fire, maybe. Uh-huh, I don't uh-huh. know if we could sustain two hours <laughs> for a movie. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we watch a Fast and Furious movie every week. This cycle, which is what we call our routine watch of all nine movies we've left it up to fate and we've decided to watch the movies in random order uh and this week we watched one we watched the fast and the furious that's right yeah from 2001 a classic at this point so we watched the fast and the furious yeah for the 18th time 
Yeah, we did. Um, and we've been doing our top fives. Did you yeah. prepare your top fives for this week? I sure did. Before we do our top fives for this yes. movie, yep. is we're anybody talking about top five pants of Lance? Right, top five <laughs> Lance looks. Right, <laughs> I just want to be clear. Exactly. I mean, oh, that okay. was uh, well understood. Oh, okay. Excellent. Excellent. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, before we do top fives Lance pants for this movie, mm-hmm. if anybody is interested, I do know that we left off last week with what we expected to be Daryl's top ten movies from 2020. Yeah. So I want everybody to know I tried to put together a list of ten movies that I could recommend people to watch. And I could not come up with 10. I did, however, come up with five movies. Yes! <laughs> are you interested in my uh, my five movie recommendations? We're, we are all collectively extremely fucking interested in this. <laughs> all right. I'm glad. I'm glad. So I put a little bit of work in here. Nice. Quick five for you. So number five, easy recommendation. Uh, is it a Disney Pixar? But I watched that Soul movie. Okay. Um. Recently, have not seen excellent it. movie. Ah, it's good, but you're not really cartoons. into animated stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're not into animated stuff, but it follows up with a long line of, um, like yeah, very thinky but approachable sort of cartoon movies that teach you about, um, life and disappointment and chasing your dreams, and it takes you to kind of like sad places, but then it ends up happy as Pixar movies do. People say those Pixar movies always do a good job. And I'm pro new property, like new original stories. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably not going to watch. If I watch, it'll be later on at some point just because like cartoons just don't really do it for me. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm pro people putting new stories out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think when I was watching it, yeah, especially after all these years of watching and talking about movies with you and like, uh, yeah, like I think a lot more about like what it takes to like put something on the screen. Mm-hmm. And the idea like when I was watching Soul was that somebody had to think of and make everything that you see on screen here. And that was very cool. And that was like a cool part of that watch through. Great. I'll go into my number four. Yeah, number four. Borat 2 subsequent movie film. Oh! <laughs> that was a strong that was a strong watch I mean and I remember I watched it It was one of those like silent releases and I like woke up one day on like a Saturday morning and I was like, like oh, wait a minute <laughs> yeah I was like gotta watch this <laughs> watch that and I remember I I, yeah, I loved it so much I watched the first movie right afterwards yeah and like yeah subsequent movie film is significantly better than the first one I have a difficult relationship with uh, the Ali G show characters, mm-hmm. which is where Borat came from, and Bruno. Right. Um, yeah, I have a. I, I liked Ali G show when I was a young. It was like one. Of, I remember it being one of the first internet things I sort of watched. Mm-hmm. Um, some clips that were ripped on LimeWire or something like that. Yeah, but uh, Borat. It just never, it's never clicked with me. I, I mean, I don't have the gripes some other people have. I think like Sasha Baron Cohen is a talented comedian and a pretty good actor sometimes in other mm-hmm. stuff. 
Um, but it's just never a thing that's clicked, and I did not see Borek's subsequent movie film. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. okay. It's one of those things. Like the, I mean, it's the it's the setup. You sort of frame. You're trying to frame people to sort of, uh, yeah, compromise themselves. And in this case, like, yeah, and often like that doesn't turn out very well. And mm-hmm. I understand where people are just like, that's, yeah, that's not movie making. That's not funny. But this one, this one was funny. In my I don't, I don't know what my, I just don't think it's, I just, I just don't think it's very funny. I understand why people think it's funny and mm-hmm. get tons of enjoyment out of it. I understand like I don't really think it's that mean spirited. I don't have the gripes of like, yeah, it's like awful or he's doing something bad or I don't have I don't care I don't give a shit. But like, mm-hmm. I just personally don't engage with that type of thing. Yeah, right. that's it. That's okay. So, Soul Borat number three, irresistible. Did you watch this one? It's a John Stewart. Uh, directed no. movie with Steve Carell. <laughs> Twenty minutes of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve Carell and what's uh, did not on, make my the, list. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this made my list number three over here. Um, let's see. Uh, the okay. uh, the female lead Rose Byrne. Yeah, Rose Byrne is great. Yeah. So I really like this movie. I it's been a while since I watched it, so I don't really remember why. But I like the setup to it. I like the setup of it, and it has like a nice, has a nice ending. And I thought Steve Carell was great, and I liked the dynamic that they had, and it was good. Didn't, uh, yep, nope, not for me. <laughs> Didn't like it. Watched twenty minutes of it, and I had to put it down because I kind of got mad at John Stewart. I was like, really, dog, this isn't the world anymore. Like, it just made me so angry. I felt like he he was like presenting a worldview that just like doesn't fucking exist anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. I was like, we're past. We have Donald Trump as the president, dude. Like we're past this. Mm-hmm. We're past your like time of being incisive about political commentary. Anyway, I'm glad you love them. I actually am. <laughs> I love people who love movies. Like if you love movie, fucking rock it out. I love it. Go see Irresistible, everybody. Yeah, so Irresistible is number three. Number for two. For me, sorry, for me, it was Resistible. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Go ahead, number, right, two. Right. number two. Number two. Um, it was a, I guess it was more of a documentary, but it was called Rising Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It was a, um, it was a profile on Paralympic athletes. Sick. Yeah, it was super yeah. cool. I I was looking at the IMDb page for it. Prince Harry, like, I think he must have like funded this or something mm-hmm. because, um, like he has a few interviews in it. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought this documentary was done really well. It was very cool to learn about Paralympic athletes and their backstory. And like, honestly, I was really, I was really impressed with the different when they had like the carbon blade feet. And yep. all of like the uh, paraplegic uh, bicycles, basically, those are super cool. Because um, one time, uh, so before the New York Marathon, they do a Paralympic yeah. bicycle race before it. And I like didn't know that they did it. And I was out walking the dog one morning on Marathon Day. 
and I got to watch sort of that race. Sick. Super sick. And all yeah. of the all the wheel sets that they use on those bikes are the same ones that like the high performance, like actual uh the high performance like velodrome athletes yeah. use. Just like beautiful wheel sets. So cool. I really like that movie. All right, check it. What is it called again? Rising Phoenix? Yeah, Rising cool. Phoenix. Yeah, check it. So I'll Rising check it out. Phoenix. Yeah. So that I'm one's good. Number one. Number one. <laughs> My number one movie recommendation. It's not the Fast and the Furious. It's Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That one was that one was surprising to me. Like from the first from the first from the first minute of the movie. Yeah. Um was it Will Ferrell and um, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. And that was a fun watch. That was a fun watch all the way through for me. Absolutely agree. I loved it. Felt like it was a return to form for Will Ferrell because uh, he's put out, in my opinion, some stinkers. And, Big time. Um, yeah, I, thought, I just thought it was great. I thought it was like entertaining <laughs> the whole way through. It was funny the whole way through. I'm like a I'm a believer in Will Ferrell. I think the man stumbles, but I think like he ultimately is a a good creative voice in the world and a funny dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Rachel McAdams was really good in the movie. Mm-hmm. She wishes upon um, some Nordic elves, which was very fun. Yeah, <laughs> I thought they were both great. And like the music routines are fucking hilarious. And anybody yes. who has like a touching uh, relationship with Eurovision, like you know, at a glance, it's like buys can buy into the satire. It's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have a couple like huge like mega music videos basically that they put together in uh with and just recognize this more than I did but like actual Eurovision like winner stars mm-hmm. they had a huge like musical montage at some oh, point. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um I think that's the only movie on either of our lists that both of us have seen. In its entire That's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> Are you all right? So that's Zero's top five. You want to recap them for us? Uh, yeah. So five, Soul, four, Borat, two, three, Rising Phoenix. No, no, three, Irresistible, two, Rising Phoenix, one, Eurovision Song Contest. Beautiful. Go check out all those movies, please, 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 please. Um, you want to talk Fast and Furious? Let's hit it. All right, we're doing some more countdowns. This is a top five, top. This is top five episode of this cycle, maybe. <laughs> uh, we rank the five our five favorite performances in The Fast and the Furious, the classic two thousand one movie directed by Rob Cohen. Daryl, do you want to start us off? I don't think I just want to put this disclaimer. I don't think we're going to line up very much, except for number one. That's my okay. guess. That's my guess. Let's- Let's give this a try here. Number five, Matt Schultz, Vince. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. What did you like about Vince? So Vince, yeah, Vince is in a position here where he has to play like anti, anti-Brian, right? Mm-hmm. He has to be like mean and like he can't be, he's not delicate in the way that Brian is. He's supposed to be experienced and he has to be sort of the anti-Brian. And I think he does a very good job at this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's good at being angry. He's good at being sort of rejected because he gets mm-hmm. sort of he feels a little bit like outcast, like his friends don't like him, which is a empathetic position, you know. Um, my number five is another member of the team, a rose gallery. Uh, it is Chad Lindbergh as Jesse. Mm. Yeah, I think Jesse's good. I think Jesse is like the perfect casting for like the squirrely, uh, uh, fucked up genius. I think he's good in the like running away from Johnny Tran, like freak out moments. And like mm-hmm. at the end where he's like, Dom, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I'm doing, Dominic. I'm scared. Like, yeah, it's good. He's good. Yeah. Uh, so I got a lot, but like, you really can choose from, for me, it's like you can, I would put Vince at like maybe number six, like, mm-hmm. and those two could flip flop depending on the day, basically right. for me. Yeah. Right. All right. So my number four is Rick Ewan as Johnny Tran. Uh, yeah. good villain. Um, definitely is it in a weird position where he's not really the antagonist of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like Dom Toretto is the antagonist of the movie, right? Kinda. Um, but uh, I think like he's scary in the oil scene with Ted. I think he's uh seems like he's in control. Even the scenes where he doesn't, you can't even hear what he's saying. Like when he gets raided and the music's playing over, you're like, mm-hmm. "Fuck yeah!" I feel like he's pissed off and he's emotional and is he's ashamed when his dad slaps him in the face. And mm-hmm. I just think he gives a compelling performance overall. And like I'm I'm I I don't doubt for a second that Johnny Tran is Johnny Tran. You know what I'm saying? I wholly agree. I agree yeah. so much that I've put Rick Yoon down as my fourth pick for the day here. Hey! <laughs> um, okay. I remember, I remember at the time, so I guess I don't know exactly what the sequence was, but uh, Rick Yoon plays the bad guy in one of the James Bond movies. Who, no. I believe so. Isn't he the guy? I gotta look this up now. Rick Yoon. It's the one... What's it like? Is it Die a Daniel Craig Bond or is it a No, uh, it's a Pierce Brosnan Bond. Oh my god. Yes. Hold on, let me do a little let me do a little look no up here. Way. Yep. Die Another Day with Halle Berry 2002. I've seen it. Yep. So Rick I've Yoon plays bad guy who gets a uh, box full of blood diamonds basically exploded into his face and in the movie he has diamonds in his face, and then he gets like a face Sick. transfusion. That's all I remember. Gets a face wow. transfusion. Yeah, yeah, I might have to watch Die Another Day again. I that is that the one with the surfing scene? Because that is really bad. I think it is. Uh. I think it's the Bond surfing one where it's just like looks like garbage. It's like they took like a J of like thirty pixel JPEG of fucking Pierce Brosnan and put it on a surfboard. That's terrible. That's funny. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Who's your number three then? So uh, my number three, yeah, I put Tom Barry, Bilkins. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Bilkins is a strong pick. He's I so, like, yeah. yeah, he's a strong pick. He's the one that like creates the, um, yeah, the FBI pressure or the sort of, 
the pressure for Brian O'Connor to perform the job. He's the one that pushes him forward to, um, yeah, continue to learn more about Dom and have to kind of puzzle through whether or not Dom is the actual bad guy. Yeah, I think he gives a very strong performance. I think probably for me, like more so in two, I think he's got a little more to do in two. And I think he's sort of settled into it a little more. He's got this like vibe in two where he's like relaxed and semi retired, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I think works for his character really, really, really well. I think it's an excellent character choice. Uh, and he doesn't really have the in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I still think he's super strong and like, um, definitely like you get the, what you're supposed to get out of his performance, which is like pressure from the higher ups on Brian O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my number three was Jordana Brewster. As no. Um, a movie where she actually has some stuff to do, which is good. Um, she's in like a lot of this movie. I realized mm-hmm. today, you know, uh, as much as it centers around these two dudes, like she has a lot to do. She's she has long scenes with Brian, both at the house party, uh, and in the the uh, grocery store, and at the restaurant, and in the mm-hmm. car after the restaurant, and in the car when they're going to find Dom at the end, like. She's got a lot to do, and like a lot of, she's got to be scared, and she's got to be confident, and she's got to be. I just think like she, um, kind of nails this like sort of young woman in a world that's much bigger than herself thing mm-hmm. here, uh, and also like being horny for like this new guy, you know? Like I, 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 I you know, I, I don't think like, I mean, Paul Walker's a dreamboat, no doubt, but. Mm-hmm. I just think acting's hard. That's like my basic. I think acting's hard, and I think like having chemistry is hard, and I think they have pretty good chemistry, despite the fact that um, Paul Walker is not very good in this movie and didn't make my list. (laughs) So I think she had a challenge there. She did, and I think like I think she really sells the um, the moment at Race Wars when. Brian confesses that he's a cop. I think she sells it because it, you're kind of suspended in that moment because you're not really sure if she knew or she didn't know that Dom was sort of doing, yeah, stealing stuff. I and think it's a she, credit to Jordana Brewster in this movie that every take she took of that scene, when Brian says, Mia, everything I told you about how I felt about you was the truth, that she didn't, reply with like Paul you gotta get better at this like you just got you gotta get, stop we gotta stop you gotta be better you gotta get better cause that was fucking terrible bro uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh yeah so credit to Jordana Brewster my number two kind of a nitpick mm-hmm. Ted Levine as Sergeant Tanner <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead and scrap up uh, four cappuccinos for us. Can you grab uh, some ice cappuccinos? <laughs> we go on regular calf or decaf? Mm, uh, uh, decaf. Decaf. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get him you a cigarette. Say, give me one of those cigarettes. Don't get him a cigarette. I thought you quit. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
give him one. I just think, first of all, Ted Levine is like, half of this pick is like Ted Levine is one of the greatest character actors of all time. Uh, and he's just so good. He's just like so in the pocket. He's just like, he's so fucking good, man. He just knows what he's here to do. He He's the only one in this movie and for some parts of this, I think it's a credit to Vin Diesel that, um, like, Vin Diesel takes this shit so seriously, and we've talked about that on the pod, that, like, Vin Diesel is so committed and believes so much in these movies and takes them so seriously. But Ted Levine in this movie is the only one who understands that this movie is any fun at all. Like, he's the only one who's like, yeah, this is fun. <laughs> like, we're having a good time here, guys. <laughs> like, this is a fun movie about, like, car racing. <laughs> Let's, uh-huh. like, and, like, police shootouts. Let's have a good time. <laughs> you know? Let's get some ice cappuccinos. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I think Ted Levine is magic every time I see him on screen. Not just in this, but especially on this. He pops up. It's like, Ted, I'm into you. I think you're great. I love you. Keep it up. Keep we'll it see up. you. We'll see you in nine weeks. Yeah, we'll see you in nine weeks for fucking nine. <laughs> you better fucking come back, Ted. Um. So my number two is Paul Walker. Yeah, I put I Paul know. Walker as two. I knew it would right? be. I knew it yeah. would be. Two's got to be Paul. All right. So it has to be. There's no. I tried to choose other stuff, but it has to be him. Yeah. It's a star-making performance. There's no doubt That's about right. it. That's right. But, it comes from his handsomeness, not his acting ability. <laughs> you know? yeah, well, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's so he's so incredibly beautiful in this movie. <laughs> it's, it's it's actually hard to fathom how incredibly gorgeous Paul Walker. Is. Uh-huh. Um, so I credit him to that. I credit right. him to that. Like he knows how to like hold the screen with his face. Mm-hmm. And and that's not a skill to be, you know. There's a lot of type of, types of acting. That's not a skill to be, you know, shoved off into a corner. That's a mm-hmm. real skill. It's like how to hold presence on screen and how to hold a camera with your face. I just like it's difficult. Yeah, yeah it's difficult. So uh, the the scene, by, uh, sorry, the scene by what is that? El El Gato Negro, where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Dom and Vince find Brian and they question him about whether he's a cop or not. His best scene in the movie by far. I can't tell if that's the, his best scene or his worst scene. And it's all <laughs> comes, it all comes down to whether or not I believe it on the day. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's hard, man. He's the confounding hard. performer. Yeah, and, and like interesting to look at and works with the movie and like believes in the movie again. And... <clears throat> I just, it's hard for me to give right. it. I, and honestly, an actor who I think it's much better. Like in Six, I think he's fucking a movie star and is good, you know? I don't necessarily think in Six, like he's, he's like, he's not fucking like method, you know? He's, he's not mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman or whatever, but like, he's good. He's doing something. So, anyway. You think number we're lined one. here on number one? Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> we're on the same page. No, there is in yours, huh? No, there, I mean, uh, yeah, there's only one choice. There's only one choice. Yeah. Yeah, and it's Vincent Diesel. 
as That's Dominic Toretto. Yeah, he's right. he's great in this movie. He's great in this movie. I mean, he's just like it's a fucking it's a it's not just a star making performance. It's a career making performance. Like, mm-hmm. dude. I mean, it's so. Even if he had never done another Fast and Furious movie, to me, this would be the Vin Diesel performance. Mm-hmm. It's so defining of him and his ethos and his like his character and the charisma he brings to screen and his look. Like, he's got a great look. He's got a good look, man. So, yeah. Fucking voice is so good. So good. He's just like a number of just iconic scenes, right? End of the the first race. You never had me. You never had your car. Yeah. Um, He's got, yeah, he's got the... um, the scene in the garage, sort of telling the story about his dad and sort of his motivation for driving and some of his guilt and where he's at. I actually was paying attention to, I really like when they're eating shrimp on the highway and Brian is confronting him about sort of where he's got all the money and that chemistry there and Dom is just like, there's no way that you, and then he just goes like, it's like yeah, yeah, settle yeah. down, don't talk about my stuff. Yeah. I like that one a lot. I felt that. And he's good oh, at like the, he's he he almost throws away some important stuff, which is like a total interesting choice of his that I think works for, like when they're eating shrimp. First of all, he eats shrimp in a fantastic manner. <laughs> but but when they're eating shrimp and Brian's like Brian's like I got to get a little something on the side, you know, like you got going on. And he's like he throws away this line that's totally like, like, like me, what do I got going on? What do you, you know, he's like, he's like, what is that supposed to mean? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's like this moment of conflict or like, you know, like this guy's kind of got me figured out. He knows what the deal is, but he's both, he, cause he's both acting as Dom Toretto and is Dom Toretto acting as if he doesn't have anything on the side. Right. Mm-hmm. He's like doing this layer up thing that I think is it's fucking great. It's fucking so good in this movie. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. yep. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Um. Now that okay, so let's recap the top fives. My top five for the Fast and the Furious is number five Chad Lindbergh as Jesse. Number four Rick Ewan as. Just, uh, Johnny Tran. Number three, Jordana Brewster as Mia Toretto. Number two, Ted Levine as Sergeant Tanner. Number one, Vin Diesel as Dom Toretto. Number five for me, Matt Schultz, Vince. Four, Rick Yoon, Johnny Tran. Three, Tom Barry, Bilkins. Two, Paul Walker. Numero uno, Vin D. Yeah. Forever in our hearts. Do you have any other Fast and Furious 1 talking points you need to get off your chest? No? Should we just go straight to the shout-outs? I think so. Okay. We have a little segment on this podcast we like to call Shout-outs. Shout-outs. Uh, these movies have a lot of product placement in them, and we like to have a little product placement um, on this podcast just for things in our lives, people, situations, restaurants, whatever that we're digging these days. 
Why we do this at this point, I can't even fucking remember, but we do it, so we're going to do it. Uh, Daryl, what do you want to shout out to this week? In the past, I think we've I've given a shout out to the somewhat infamous Croc Sandal. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's still a great shoe, it's still very yeah. functional, but I want to encourage people now to explore other garden clog shoes, because... I purchased something called the, I don't know, it's called Zanv, X-I-A-N-V, Men's Garden Clog on Amazon. It was a $17 product compared to a $45 croc. Whoa. Is it a knockoff croc? It's absolutely, it's a not croc. Yeah. <laughs> and it rules. It does the exact same thing at a third of the price. And all the embarrassment that you have from wearing a croc, like, why not just like be able to enjoy that chew at a third of the cost? No, that's that's true. I first of all never feel any embarrassment uh for wearing a croc ever. I rock I rock the croc <laughs> I rock a croc orange. I rock the bright orange ones. That's a, good, that's a good style. color. Nice. That and our love of Italian food are the only things, I want to be clear, <laughs> that me and Mario Batali have in common. Okay? I want to be crystal on this fucking podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you rock a croc farther than, like, your mailbox? You wear them Half. out in the world? Half. Yeah. Don't currently own a croc. Mm-hmm. Left them in America. You can get a knockoff croc, though, and it's well worth it. Yeah. The styling on them is a little bit better, too. Mm-hmm. It has like a flatter sole. It doesn't have kind of like the cloggy, um, like the kind of like curved up toe area, which I think uh, is a little bit more stylish. I feel like crocs would work well here in New Zealand. There's a lot of rocky things. People mm-hmm. wear bare feet a lot just because they grow up barefooting it all everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't do that, obviously. So a lot of times when people like just trudge into an area where I'm like, oh, shoes would be required here. Crocs mm-hmm. would be a good thing for that. Mm-hmm. And Sanvi even more so if I could get a little deal on it. There is a full brick and mortar Croc store in Newmarket in Auckland mm-hmm. where I could get any variety of Croc I wanted. So I encourage you to try a not Croc. Get a one, maybe you do the job for me. Yeah, maybe not yeah. even an Amazon one. Maybe you could find one if there's like an equivalent of a dollar store or something. Mm. After trying a counterfeit product, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. What uh, color? I went with a kind of like a navy blue this mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice. Sounds good. Um, I read one sometime. I read somewhere once. That like they're big in the army for like hmm. dudes to wear around on base because they're just like easy to slip on and off and they don't they get, can get wet and sandy and like you can walk over gravel and shit with mm-hmm. them uh, as like a sli- and you can shower with them and they like they don't get really dirty and shit like that so yeah yeah do they Shoot. now here's the real test sorry I've got one more question about these sunvis does the back strap break as quickly as they do for Crocs. Because mine so, always snapped off like in the first month. So I don't normally use my back strap. Oh, I usually keep strap. that thing 
I usually keep that thing on top. Yeah. But I'm not doing a ton of walking. I have on one instance used the backstrap on my other, my old croc, which is now dead because my dog ate them. But the only time I used the backstrap was when I was um, throwing a baseball around. I need to do a little bit of movement. You got to hit the backstrap. Otherwise, I go open back. Okay. All right. Maybe I'll check out the, maybe I'll get back into like the crocosphere, as I like to call it. Mm hmm. I got a shout out today, not to a product specifically, but to a new situation with my product. Uh, I moved recently, sitting in my new office recording this podcast. And um, I, uh, when we were moving, I moved my, like, my girlfriend had to uh, go to work, like, on a Saturday we were moving. She started work at 4. So I had to, like, move a couple last things in and, like, get things set up. So I moved the bed into the bedroom. And I laid it down. And I put some sheets on it. And then I was, like, gonna chill and, like, watch TV for a second. So I, like, popped out my laptop. Then I was like... Oh, I have a TV here, like a full one. What if I just like, I had this like little low table. I was like, what if I pop that in front of the bed? And then what if I pop the TV like on top of that and plug it into the wall? And then I could just watch TV in bed. <laughs> Let me tell you, Daryl, it was the fucking greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Um. It's there permanently now. Yeah. So you've never had a TV in your bedroom? Or you are you talking specifically about putting the TV at the foot of your bed is the is the is the program here? I guess I've here. had one like a small one I used to watch like my first apartment in New York City. Do you remember that one when I lived with Jake and Maria? Yes. Yeah, in Jackson Heights. Yes. I think I had a small TV at the end of that bed like that cat and I would watch sometimes. But we not we had like a big TV in the main living room with the couch, so mm-hmm. we mostly just chilled there. But this is like a beautiful big flat 4K panel, and my bed is like wicked comfortable, and yeah. it's like on the ground, which is a huge plus. Uh-huh. Not like on the ground. We have a little wooden thing that goes under it, but my old bed was in a loft so i had to climb up a fucking ladder to get to it every time yeah it sucked ass and now i can just crash on the bed there's a netflix button on my remote i just crash on the bed i hit that netflix button put on some superstore i'm i'm off to the races baby hell yeah <laughs> yeah it's incredible so i'm going to shout out to like the tv in the bedroom it's huge it's been huge for me i think it will continue to be huge for me I think everybody should do it if they have the means and resources and opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good setup. I had a TV like basically at the foot of my bed in my last apartment because my room was so small. It was on the other side of the room, but the room was so small. It was essentially the same setup. Right. Right. Um, But the whole thing is you have to get the height right. It can't be too low or else you're just looking Mm -hmm. at your feet the whole time. Mm -hmm. And... I guess high is okay, but it also can't be too far away because in my bedroom now, it's like we have an iMac, which is like sort of in that direction, but it's farther away. So 
we actually want to watch anything, it's not really functional for that. Yeah. It better be like a rom-com or something where you don't need to see very much. It's right. all about the uh, right dialogue, I guess. But This situation is like, I'd say it's like two and a half feet from the edge of the bed mm-hmm. is where that table is. And it's perfect because the table is bed height plus foot height. And then the TV starts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, it gets like right over my toe. If I'm lying in my bed, my toes are sticking up. Mm-hmm. The TV starts right over the top edge of my toes. And it's like, couldn't That's ask perfect fit. It's perfect. That's perfect fitment right there. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, bop, 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 bop. Uh, if you want, uh, should we just end? Do you want to do the end part? Uh, if you want to check us out on uh, um, Instagram, you can check us out at No One on Likes Parlor. What? Parlay at us on Parlor. What the hell is that? <laughs> uh, some crazy alt right wing fucking Twitter website that got shut down. Oh, got it. Yeah, we're not on that. Don't look for us. Don't search for us on that platform. We won't be there. I don't think that platform is there anymore. Good. Um, we're on Twitter at Nolt Podcast. We are we have a Gmail, no one likes to tune a podcast at gmail.com. We are on Apple Music, where you can also rate us and review us. Apple, podcast. what is it? Apple, Apple Podcast. podcast. Close. See, Close. I purposely was like iTunes. Right. Yeah, yeah, I was like iTunes, like it's not iTunes, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Do it. Rate and review us. You can listen oh. to us on Spotify. Yeah. Um, maybe Stitcher. Yep, definitely. And um, visit our Patreon. We've got some content there for our Patreon subscribers. You can drop us one to three dollars and get access to that, as well as yeah, future special content from your boys. Yeah, we're doing some Riddick movies recently. So if you want to yeah. check out our special episodes on those Riddick movies, we've done the first one so far. The other two are planned. We're gonna drop them. Soonish, whenever we get the time. That's right. Yeah, fuck them. Anyway, we love our uh, patrons, and uh, in the next review on Apple, I'll read on the air. I don't care what it says. I don't care what it says. <laughs> if ISIS <laughs> writes us a review, I'll fucking read it. <laughs> Make it good. Yeah, make it good, though. Give us five stars. Okay. <laughs> Wrapping up this pod. I've been Nick Nocera. Daryl Wong, too. Yeah. And we're out of here. We never do that. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>